Hi everybody. Um, so this is me, Adam. Uh, well, I don't even know how to start this without Marissa. Um, so anyway, um, I hope you guys are all doing well. Oh, welcome to Natural Disasters. See, I can't even do this without Marissa here. Um, yeah, this is a little bit different than what we normally do. Uh, this is a solo pod. Um, Marissa, uh, uh, obviously there's, 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 there's a worldwide pandemic happening right now, which is, uh, causing some, some issues. Um, but also, uh, in the midst of that, Marissa, um, she got, uh, sick with, uh, with not COVID, um, or coronavirus with, uh, shingles. So that has put her out a little bit as well. And through all this, we just want to make sure that we had a, had something, um, we will be coming back and recording, just the two of us, or not just the two of us, but the two of us. Uh, this is definitely um, weird for me to do this by myself, uh, to say the least. Um, and uh, you're not actually going to be by yourself. I interviewed somebody, uh, like a Skype interview, uh, a gentleman by the name of Vinny Eng, who's a hospitality professional and a, 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 and a political activist. Um, he had an article in Food and Wine that came out during all this that really... Um, I found very interesting and dynamic, and so I want to talk to him. Um, so yeah, that's that's going to be this episode. Um, all the information I got from people, thank you for reaching out and telling me your stories. I got so many, and I'm really excited to share that with you. Um, that is a pod that I will share with you with Marissa when Marissa's back. Um, that's going to be something that we're going to do together. So um, for that, I this uh, listen to this interview. I hope you like it. I hope you're all safe and happy. And uh, we'll we'll be back soon, Marissa and I, uh, doing the normal thing. All right, uh, enjoy. Hey, everybody! Uh, well, welcome to my very first uh, solo pod. As Marissa is, um, or I should say, my solo interview. Uh, as Marissa is bedridden, and it's our first. It's my first remote uh, podcast as well. Um, I am with Vinny Eng. That's me. Um, formerly a, uh, a hospitality professional, now in politics, and uh, sometime, a sometimes writer. Is, are those all correct? Uh, uh, well, you know, uh, nothing, nothing is certain in, in, in this moment in time. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, a community member. <laughs> okay. I know I saw you, uh, I think it was last year. There was like a transition. I feel like I, I feel like I saw media of you all the time. You 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 were a pretty successful som or, or 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 wine director, and then all of a sudden I was like, I don't see any wine stuff anymore, and it's all super political. And it was kind of awesome to see. Um, and I talked to Wolfgang, and he said that you you had been going down that route. Uh, I've spent a couple of years just uh, advocating and and uh, in the community for. Some changes, especially in particular to how we um, how we support individuals with uh, diagnoses of mental health, and an opportunity arrived for me to 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 to, to participate in um, a political campaign, and I jumped in uh, awesome. and left and left my role as wine director. And um, but I've been I've been organizing in San Francisco for about. Um, since 2013 and also doing a little bit of work with community members in Los Angeles to try to just um, reimagine how we support people who really need um, proper care that aren't getting it. Yeah, and that sort of, so that, that brings me all the way back or, or sort of to, to why I wanted to talk to you. I saw an article or a, a piece you had written it was published in Food and Wine or on Food and Wine's website. I, I'm not sure if, uh, the language of all that, but uh, and you sort of talk on these topics that, that it was it was very much about uh, in all this doom and gloom. I feel like it was a little bit of a silver lining, if you will. Uh, I, I a roadmap. I think. I think. Yeah. Um, okay. I. I I, we, we are on, in an unprecedented time, um, uh, a moment when everyone has been told you need to just slow down and do things differently because 
we're fighting something so invisible and so nefarious and um, that uh, just just shelter in place. And um, the best thing you can do is not not be in physical presence with other people, which is like really challenging. Oh, my, my wife uh, has jokingly and, and, and somewhat not jokingly has been like, this is your time to shine. I have been enjoying being alone or being with my family, not like my antisocial uh, tendencies have thrived in this. It's, it's very disturbing. Um, I don't think it's disturbing. I mean, um, I, I, I think um, um, it, it certainly does portray certain patterns in our lives that um, we take for granted, right? In, in, in a way, it amplifies the things that we take for granted. Um, and what I mean by that is like, you know, we sort of, um, the piece that I was asked to write for food and wine. So I met, um, the cat Kinsman, um, at Aspen food and wine a few months ago, um, in person, but I had followed her work for some years now. She had written this whole book about, um, approaching a life, um, with a diagnosis of anxiety. Um, and I had always been so admirable, uh, I I'd, I'd always admired her graciousness uh and her her care for and and um um deliberate articulation around um the compassion that we need to have because we never really know where anyone is coming from when we when when we interact with them right like you you meet someone and in a moment of time you have um an experience but it's not long enough to really say like, so tell me everything about you and all the yeah. fucked up things that are, that you can. As a hospitality person, do you feel, I mean, that was for me, that was like a big learning lesson in hospitality that, that I didn't learn. I, that wasn't something I went into hospitality realizing. And I, I remember the sort of having that realization and then trying to in, instill that into the people that I worked with of, of like, yeah, that person came in and maybe they're, 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 they're angry and they're mean and all this stuff, but we don't know anything that brought them to this restaurant. So it's our job in this restaurant to turn that around. There's like an aspect of that, 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 that for me sort of is very hospi hospitality related. Well, and, and, and if we want to sort of pull back for a sec and just think about like basic human decency, um, like you just, you meet people where they are and you, you invite them to come along. Like, yeah. like that to me is like the, the, the epitome of, of, um, community building. I mean, for me, hospitality is, is a is a, is a nice warm blanket. And, and, but, but like the, the human engagement is just, um, it's a commitment you make with a stranger to say like, Hey, we're, we're sharing space together right now. And, um, I don't know you and you don't know me, but, um, let's just make a commitment to enjoy this very unplanned, completely random time together so that we both walk away feeling a little bit better. And so how, how did, so that you, you, you talked to the woman from what, I'm sorry, her name from food and wine. Cat, cat, cat. Yeah. And, um, and so that conversation, and so how did it turn into what you wrote for a, with the COVID, I, I call it COVID nineteen or coronavirus. Either, right there, one is one is one is the actual virus, and one is the sickness in the virus. I believe. Uh, I don't um, know. Well, it's it's just it's it's just um I don't I, I it's it's just a complete upheaval of our lives, right? Yeah. Like let let's call it what it really is, which is just like a big fucking shit show, and everyone's. <laughs> Uh, uh, I mean, honestly, but it's, it's something that's been brewing for months, right? Like yeah, yeah, the, totally. the signals have been, have been coming for a long time. And the, these are cycles. It, this, this isn't the first, this isn't the first, this is just another strain of a, a family of viruses that yeah. um, we've, we've seen um, the, the ways in which globally we're, we're, we're connected. Um, and we certainly saw a number of, of really scary 
cycles in the past 12 years. Uh, um, and um, uh, there, there are reports written about, you know, mapping and, and preparing for the worst case scenario. So we, the, the experts in our community have known that this was a potential, a potential uh, issue. So yeah, I, mean, I remember seeing an article going around uh, Twitter recently that was like it written in 2017 or 2016 that was basically like a pandemic is happening and we have the wrong person in power to deal with it. We have we have the wrong structures in place to protect our community members. Um, I I I think it's really um, important to hold leaders accountable for not doing their jobs. But mm-hmm. let's be honest, let's be honest. Um, this moment that we find ourselves in has revealed to us that there are a lot of things that are fundamentally broken. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, yeah, without a doubt. And, and you know, I, I think on, in my social media, I've been focusing a little bit more on the, the restaurant aspect of it, but it's every aspect of life or everybody it's not just the re- i mean restaurants are super broken i feel like and i don't even see to be honest with you how restaurants other than like i don't even see i don't know i can't even i i can't even articulate it that's how difficult it is for me to fathom what will happen to restaurants in six months in a year like i don't even understand how they continue to do what they've done and it's something I've tried to think of. And, and Kate, my wife, and I talk about it a lot. Um, and we try and figure it out. But fuck, I have no clue. I have no fucking clue. Well, I'll, I'll say, Adam, I really hope we don't come on the other side of this six months from now doing the same thing we've been doing because it hasn't been serving anyone well. So, um, um, and what I mean by that is so, so, so to your earlier question, um, um, Kat asked me to just write. She was like, I just, I think, I think you have a perspective that might be really interesting and just write. And I said, how many words? And she said, just write. And I said, on what topic? And she said, just write. And I said, okay. Um, and this was about almost four weeks ago at the beginning of March, just as like the, in, and, and let me, let me, let me uh, backtrack a little bit. So at the end of February, the mayor of San Francisco, um, London breed was, um, I think th- maybe the second, if not the first mayor in the country to declare a state of emergency around the, the coronavirus. Yeah. yeah I remember that. Um, there, there was a, a public health, doctor in Santa Clara who probably preceded her um, because um, I think Santa Clara had its first, um, I may be wrong, I think either the first case or first death. Um, But the last week of February, the mayor of San Francisco um, declared a state of emergency and and all of these um, restaurants started freaking out because they started losing all of these reservations. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, that first week of March, I think was the first week when they ordered sheltered in place in San Francisco. Um, and you could, I mean, I mean that just, and the immediate impact of shelter in place was that, um, the first businesses to really be hit by it were, uh, your main street, uh, ground floor, um, mom and pop shops, right? The people who- probably didn't do high volume, but maybe saw like 50 people a day and that was enough to pay their bills and, and eat by people, people, people who own, own small businesses and, and, and live a, I don't know if the term middle-class life in San Francisco, I, I don't know how that works there, but like in a, they're not, they're not, they're not paying back investors or, or trying to, to leverage something with into something else. Or, or they may be Adam, they may have, they, they have investors, but maybe on a different scale. Okay. So like it, it, it just, um, <clears throat> they carried a different uh, load of risk than we're normally used to talking about. So like, but they were still, they're still just as important as, uh, of, of, of a business as, 
anyone with a a, a, a higher financial um, um, capitalization. So, yeah, I know. I mean, in in my, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm I can be a bit to some degree. I feel like almost more like these are the people that have had for me. Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm I'm interrupting a little bit, but yeah, like the, for me, it's like the businesses in my neighborhood that have been there for twenty years that I've always and, and are just like they're just like the local spots. To me, I'm having a more emotional reaction to those places than to say a place that's on a a list somewhere that that has investors and in, in some, you know, uh, some named chef. And a, a PR budget and a marketing yeah. budget and someone on contract to do their social media. And like the, the, the fabric of our community requires and demands that there are a number of safe spaces where individuals feel seen and welcome. Um, and, you know, this, this is a real, uh, this is a real come to Jesus for the industry as a whole about sort of like, who do we center? Um, who is centered in the conversation? Who is centered in media? And so my, what I was seeing was that there was no one talking about the immediate collateral damage of an economy that was shut down to support, um, uh, a new social, uh, commitment, which was like, we all had a social responsibility to shelter in place because what we know about the coronavirus is that the asymptomatic individuals who carry it are the ones who are passing it on to others. And, um, people who are already compromised in their immune system, uh, are bearing the brunt of the the disproportionate impact of getting getting the virus and getting sick. Um, and and it was curious to me because there was no sort of like, if you imagine the whole food system, Adam, restaurant the 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 big the big topic that no one talks about in restaurants is that they rely on twenty to twenty five percent of their labor to, uh, is probably undocumented. Yeah, yeah. From, you're talking from 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 the picking of the food all the way down. No, like no, all no, the, no, no, no. I'm talking about like traditional restaurants. Oh, if you're talking we, about like back of the house, front of the house. I'm talking about restaurant spaces. If we if we fold in farm workers, uh, there are studies that show that forty to seventy percent, forty to seventy yeah. percent of of farm workers may be undocumented. And are probably undocumented. Yeah. So, so we 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 have to go all the way upstream in the food service system, the food system, to realize that we, for a really long time, have um, neglected neglected to to hold each other accountable for systems that um, exploit the labor of a number of people who who already live in shadow in our communities. They already, yeah. they, they already live in shadow in our community. And now that, now that these businesses are not operating and now that social insurance programs like unemployment don't catch them, they don't catch them. And the, the, the CARES Act has no relief for undocumented workers. You know, so... Um, Anyone, anyone collecting unemployment is going to get an additional six hundred dollars um, a month, a month or a week. I don't, I don't even know. I think it's a month. It's definitely not a week. Um, and 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 a, a one-time uh, check of twelve hundred dollars. And guess, yeah. who guess who doesn't get that? Yeah. No. Absolutely. And and what what and 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 what's so frustrating is that they they've already paid taxes, like. These undocumented workers who who may who who are paid on the W two somehow that, that you, paying into an insurance program this is almost as infuriating as uh, general liability insurance policies for businesses that aren't paying um, uh, for claims um, related to interruption of business because because their policies don't cover quote unquote um, acts of God and, uh, yeah. and pandemics are an act of God. Um, um, so, 
so what was really heartbreaking to me was to imagine there would be no restaurant industry without immigrants. There would be no secure food systems without farmhands. And there would be no farmhands and no um, um, restaurants without undocumented workers. And so we really need to have this conversation about um, about the social contract that we have with everyone that makes it possible for us to eat and enjoy food. Absolutely. And, and so and 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 drink wine. No, yeah, absolutely. So uh, what I was going to ask is, I mean, in in some ways, and and I'm not trying to like uh, uh, necessarily call anybody out, but in some ways, these restaurants that maybe employ undocumented uh, uh, workers do do these restaurants you know, do they should should they feel a responsibility in these times should should they feel uh, uh, that was another question that's been coming up a lot, which is 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 it the responsibility of uh, a, a restaurant owner or a, a chef to make sure that the people that work for them are okay and and if that's the case and we have undocumented people who aren't being acknowledged by the by, by the system by by the government is it the responsibility of these people who have now i mean let's be honest have exploited that labor to some degree to now take care of them it's it's all of our collective responsibility but 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 we 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 all need to help in our ways right like not, no one person is going to fix this for this classification of workers. So, but, but many of us can make it better incrementally. Yeah. Um, no one person is going to wave a magic wand and, um, and make whole an entire community that's been disregarded for decades. Um, but, you know, for example, like, um, you know, it, you do a Google search for restaurant GoFundMe's and there are over 5,000 of them, at least. That's crazy. Right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and, and but, one of them is La Bernadette. And, and, Sorry. Uh, <laughs> you don't have to apologize. Um, and, but there, there's no transparency in how any of these GoFundMe's are going to be distributed. Yeah, that's why I call out the Ace one, because the Ace one is actually run by Ace. It's for half a million dollars, and there's no there's no rule that says that any of that money has to go to anybody. But but there are there are restaurants that are being very explicit about where the money is going. For example, um, Zuni, they're, they're, they very explicitly on their GoFundMe's uh, uh, clearly state that all of the money raised goes to their their employees who can't seek relief in any other way. Oh, like, that's look, amazing. Like, look at the language. Yeah. Um, but, but it, the, 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 this is, this is not the fix. This is the immediate relief. So the immediate relief has to be local because immediate solutions are the most nimble and agile. Like state and federal solutions are gonna take a while. Yeah, it's like uh, I think Obama talked about government is like a giant ship, and you turn the steering wheel, and like a year later, it moves. Right, right. Like yeah. they're yeah. gonna determine they're gonna determine whether or not you qualify for twelve hundred dollars in that one time relief payment based on your twenty nineteen or twenty eighteen adjusted gross income. Yeah, but like that that. I mean, I understand the need for some sort of control variable, but that's not it. You know, the, the variable that we need to measure is need. And the immediate need in this moment is, 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 is not a reflection of the AGI of 2018 or 2019. It's like in this immediate moment, in the last two cycles, we have seen over 10 million in Americans apply for unemployment. And on top of those 10 million Americans are the countless, the, the uncountable, undocumented workers, right? And yeah, the, and it's got to be, 
I, I don't mean I, I was going to guess. The I was going to guess the number for no particular reason. I have no idea what the number is, but I'm sure it's a very, very high number. But, but I, but I, I, I would say that Adam, the reason that I'm so intensely focused on on this population, on this this group in our community, is that I fundamentally believe if we activate ourselves to solve for them, it awakens in us an awareness and a thoughtfulness that we become capable of solving for everyone else. So, so if, if we solve for those that are most proximal to harm, most proximal to being left out, if we solve for them first, we develop the empathetic and compassionate awareness to solve for any other condition and any other variable. I love because, that. Because, because there are safety nets that are catching people like me or people like you or people like your wife, Kate. There, there are safety nets that are catching business owners um, and entrepreneurs through small business loans. There are safety nets that are catching corporations in the form of bailout funds. But there are, there are no that there are no social guarantees for individuals who are deemed essential. I mean, how angry is it to read about these farm workers and these grocery workers um, and these delivery drivers who are being classified as providing an essential service in this time. Um, and, and what, how, how much do we value that? And I think, you know, we, we can't revert back to what was, what we understood to be the restaurant industry six months from now, because it's fundamentally broken and fundamentally unfair and never sustainable and hasn't been for some time now. Yeah, no, I mean, I, 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 I... I, I can think of so many times I've talked to owners and other people and, and stuff, and you know, you start end up talking, and and you always you're like, like, just the, the the frustration from myself from being an employee of the literal just how how stupid a restaurant is. I mean, that's really the easiest way to put it. How fucking stupid the whole system is built. And it's basically, you're just leveraging everything all the time and giving as little to the people that work for you as possible in order to be able to continue leveraging all of this stuff that doesn't really exist. It's all just a fucking, it's all, it's all, it's all, a, 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 I, I realize restaurants are just Ponzi schemes. They're just, they're just elaborate Ponzi schemes where they're just shuffling money around and none of it actually really exists. It all is just being moved around. <laughs> I'm going to put back a little because like the vast majority of restaurants that I know and are, are labors of love, but, it, but, 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 uh, uh, um, working hard to exist in a larger ecosystem where they are being squeezed by external factors. So, so no, I, 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 I disagree with you. I don't think all restaurants are Ponzi schemes. No, no, not all. Not all. all. I shouldn't say all. Every, every restaurant and every business, ostensibly, regardless of whether or not it's a food business, is a cash flow business first before it's a profitability business. All right? So, right. like, we, we have to be really honest about this. Like, like restaurant workers mostly work paycheck to paycheck because restaurant operators operate paycheck, paycheck to paycheck. To pay. Right. So that's not a Ponzi scheme. That's just like, that's symptomatic of external pressures. So if we want to talk about big structural change and what's really going to make small businesses able to survive in whatever this current socioeconomic landscape is, like, like we, we have to think fundamentally 
like what what is what is what are what are the what are the cost dynamics um, that are being imposed on businesses right now that maybe they shouldn't be carrying? So, so you have 10 million individuals who have filed for unemployment in a country where most individuals get their health insurance through the organization or business that they're employed with. Yeah. We're in the middle of an enormous public health crisis and you have 10 million people that have just applied for unemployment. How many of those individuals will be able to afford their COBRA payments? Oh, COBRA is so expensive. COBRA is whatever your premium is plus a, a, a percentage administration fee. Yeah, I remember. I remember the last time I I, I have pre-existing conditions and I, I I'm sort of a little susceptible to, to being in the hospital. And I remember the last time I lost my health insurance at a job, I looked into COBRA and I was like, I can't fuck. Up. I just left my job. I can't afford this. Right, and so and so we really it like. Uh, this sort of dynamic that we're in really lays bare uh, you, that, you know, in times of quote unquote normalcy, these things were annoyances and we sort of patched together some Rube Goldberg solution to, to sort of work around the things that, that, that cause inconvenience in our lives. Yeah. All right. Your analogy is better. I'm going to go with that over the Ponzi scheme, but I think, I, I, I think the, 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 the idea was it's just it's just this this constantly moving thing yeah it's it's like i said it's like a, it's you're we're 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 paddling upstream without a paddle yeah like we're not given the the right tools or resources to effectively effectively meet the challenge of the endeavor but if if you don't give individuals the right tools to have agency and self-determination that it creates the circumstances for dysfunction and the exploitation to happen. So, so it's, it's no wonder to me that restaurants have developed certain um, strategies to survival because they're picking the wrong fights. Yeah. So, so, so instead of like going upstream and saying like, actually, no, like, the, the, the contract between me, small business owner, and you, community member, and you, government agency, uh, we're, we have to renegotiate this. Because right now, the only people that I can leverage and negotiate with are my workers. Fuck. But, I mean, it's, 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 this is a conversation. Yeah, that's 100%. And this, is, this falls under, under the idea of the customer is always right, almost. It comes into hospi- hosp- hospitality at its core. I well, what? But Adam, is that hospitality? No, no. Ultimately, it's not. I get it's not. How can I? I you know, it's something that I've sort of uh, 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 dabbled in 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 being a manager and stuff. It's it's what's the like? If we're not good to our employees, how how we can't like? You get bad service from unhappy servers you get bad food from grumpy cooks like as as simple as that is happy cooks make better food and happy servers make better servers and so making sure that they have that is going always going to make your restaurant better no matter what kind of restaurant it is no matter the scale of the restaurant but adam thought exercise here Pull back for a moment and like uh, disassociate the person from their role. We, we, we often, too often, especially in the, the food service community, associate value with the role that they play in, in the restaurant. Imagine a world where we acknowledge the worth of someone for just being a human being. I mean, that's amazing. Imagine a world where we acknowledge the value and currency of dignity. And so you have these sort of high-level thought leaders, quote-unquote, thinking about the future of work, 
What does the future of work look like in America? What does the future of work look like around the world? And fundamentally, what those thought leaders and academic individuals are 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 converging at is that like this notion of like a basic income. We we fundamentally value you, Adam, because you are a human being. Not because you are an ex director or a B associate or a D chief or an F entry level this or a, a, a Y essential that. But we fundamentally believe in your intrinsic value because you are a human being. And that becomes the starting point. Like that becomes the starting point. Of a of a social relationship. I I'm and and, and, and yeah exactly. I'm I'm trying. I'm struggling. I'm struggling to think of an instance as a as an American. Um, you know, I, I, of a moment where I've worked. Some, I mean, there are they they exist, and I don't want. But really, I've worked a lot of jobs where where they looked at me and said, uh, "You're a human." And we appreciate your humanness is something that I feel like was 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 almost uh, 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 worked out of me where I was, you know, being a manager for so long where I wasn't supposed to think that way. Well, but let me ask you this, like, what what are the fundamental agreements that you have with your wife, Kate, and your you have one child or two? Yeah, one, just one. Just one. <laughs> two, I would be going insane. No, you wouldn't. You'd be fine. <laughs> You'd have double the content for Since Instagram. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know, like we we have to imagine a world where we don't have to switch signals between how we live our lives at home and how we live our lives at work. Yeah, and no, totally. I imagine how is... simpler it would be if we could just be consistent. Like, well, I mean. Any any employee will tell you that the one thing they want the most from their managers is consistency. Like I just 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 let me know how you're going to show up every day so I know how to behave. You know, yeah. which which breaks my heart. All of these like operations directors who are like, uh, well, uh, I don't have your schedule for next week yet, so just hang tight and I'll let you know on Thursday. And uh, maybe. No, you can't have two consecutive days off. Like Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. Or I, I mean, I, all I can think about too is just the the in in our industry how calling in sick is basic. You might as well, uh, you might as well just say that you. It's it just like literally in in the restaurants I've worked at, calling in sick is like it's almost embarrassing, or it's like so looked down upon, or really for whatever reason. Bad. Yeah. Wait, thanks for calling out. And it's like, like a, a friend of mine was actually telling me the story about how um, a manager fired someone because um, just prior to, to getting, just prior to their shift, they were arrested. And the, 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 the manager made, uh, I, I, this is all secondhand, but this employee was arrested and the manager was like, you didn't show up for your shift and that's grounds for firing. And, and all the employees were like, you don't know. What if he was profiled? Like, what if he did nothing wrong, but got arrested because. Yeah. And yeah, you know, innocent until proven guilty. Right. Like whatever happened to presuming the benevolent or the good in someone and whatever yeah. happened to, to, to being skeptical enough to say, but maybe structural and racist inequity in policing resulted in your being uh, over-enforced, which caused you to be arrested. And now that you've lost your job, like the number of people who have lost their jobs due to mass incarceration is, um, should be cause for everyone to be beyond angry. The number of people who have called out because they oh, were yeah. improperly profiled and arrested. 
the last job I worked, somebody, somebody got arrested and ended up in the hospital and we were looking for him and couldn't find him. And then finally he showed up and I will say that he, he kept his job and, and, and they were very, they were very understanding and, and everything. But you know, it's, it's a weird, it is a weird business. It is a weird fucking business. And I have no, like I said, I have no idea where this shit's going. I don't know what it's going to look like in six months. I have no clue. Well, but you know what? Uh, like start to imagine what you want it to look like and demand, demand it. I want, I know what I want. I want equity or I want co-op. I, I want, I want responsibility and I also want profit. I want, I, I, I want, I want restaurants to look towards an idea of sharing, sh- of sharing, you know, cause, cause restaurants are such a, uh, they're a unique, they're, they're a very unique place to work. You know, they throw, people throw the word family. You, you work really close and really privately and very intimately with these people. And, and I, I think that that for me, and when I think of working in restaurants is, is, you know, we used to have these restaurants where people would work for, there's a, there's a pizza place that we go to every Wednesday night in Pasadena and the servers and cooks that have worked, that work there have worked there since the day the fucking place opened. It's the same people. It's They've been there almost 30 years. They're like at 32 years. And it's the same people from the day the place opened have been working there. And I, almost all of it has to do with ownership and ownership being good to the people that work there. But, um, and, 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 that is admirable, but we also have to demand that like we can always be better to each other. You know, like I think about that story. I forget what it was, but it was like one of those chain diners where um, there was a dishwasher who had worked there for 40 years and he was retiring. Think about that for a moment. In 40 years, he was a dishwasher for 40 years. Yeah, there was no, there was no progression. There was no, or, the, or, 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 or promotions or anything. And the, and the newspaper celebrated and said, yeah, cool. Look at this guy. He retired after 40 years of washing dishes at this chain diner in some state in America. Motherfucker should have been the CEO. And like, what are we celebrating? Why, why would we celebrate that, like, no one, no single manager in his 40 years ever took the initiative to cultivate and grow this individual because all they ever saw in them was, like, the value of them filling that particular role. It's like, you know... All the jokes on Twitter right now where like everyone on Twitter is like, I can't believe how many dishes I'm washing <laughs> while I'm sheltering in place. Like, yeah. like, 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 like all of these like people who have the luxury of working from home, but have to like homeschool <laughs> their kids and their dishes are piling up every day. These are the same people who refuse to pay like, $11 for a loaf of bread. Yeah, exactly. I, 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 I couldn't agree more or, or huff and puff when, 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 you know, the, the fish dish costs 35 bucks or whatever. You know, so, I mean, it, it's not just the onus isn't just on the restaurant owners. The, like everyone has to fundamentally reimagine how they value the people who make their daily lives possible. So the people who are constantly working in the shadows and the margins of our community who are unseen, right? It's like um, 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 that Buddhist monk, Thich Nhat Hanh, who who has this meditation about like how to eat a clementine, right? And you sort of imagine as you're peeling the the tangerine, the water that falls from the cloud – the water that goes into the ground and into the roots and into the tree and into the flower, which becomes the fruit, which then gets picked, which then gets packaged, 
which, which then gets trucked, which then gets unloaded, which then gets displayed, which then gets cash, uh, like uh, 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 skewed, which then gets measured on the scale, which then gets bagged, which then goes in your cute little canvas bag that you got from that food festival, which then goes home and then goes into your nice little heath bowl. And yeah, then, but I only want to pay. I only want to pay thirty-five cents for that. Like right, but but how much did you pay for that canvas bag? How much did you pay for that bowl? Yeah. And then you look at honey. The the organic clementines are three ninety nine a pound, but the conventional ones are one ninety nine. We should go with the conventional clementines. Uh, well. <laughs> I, you know, I was hoping that I was going to walk away with this feeling better. Um, <laughs> well, but Adam, <laughs> you can feel better about it. I know, I do, I do actually. I do, I do, I do ultimately think that this is going to be a positive. It's the only way I can really get through this is is to think that at the end of it, this will be better, and well, at the end of it, this will this will improve. Or at the end of this, you'll be more awake. Yeah. To the idea of what really goes into everything that makes your daily life possible. Yeah. No, I'm, trust and, me, I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful of the people in my grocery store, my local grocery store right now. I can't, like, I even, you know, we're not going in all that often, but when I go in, I, I'm kind of like, fuck, I can't believe you motherfuckers are still here. It's still working. You're still doing this. You're not even wearing a fucking mask. But, but here, here is, here are a few things to be hopeful about, Adam. Um, you have your health, you have your wife, you have your child, you have your community, and you have learned in this time of sheltering and physical distancing that certain trappings that you once took for granted um, are quite intentional on the part of so many people that, that you never ever see in your life. So what this moment is demanding of us is to expand our awareness of all the people who make it possible for us to drink that bottle of wine, to have that dinner, to walk down the street, that like, this is the death of American rugged individualism, you know, and that's a yeah. That's a good thing. No, I'm I'm all on board for that. Like that, like being interdependent is something we should celebrate and nourish and grow. And that like being in collective and being in community is powerful. And being in collective and being community requires that we show up for people that are least like us, that we are driven by a commitment to love and care for not only the people that we're familiar with, but the people that we never see because the value of their human existence has is, is just as much as the value of the person that we, sh we share a roof with. Yeah. On a, on a small, a small note of that, uh, uh, we, my, my wife, Kate and, and our son, Sai, we uh we live no live near uh, Caltech, and so we walk a lot. I don't know Caltech uh, is a, a technical school, whatever they have. There's a pond that has turtles in it, so we we walk a lot to go to the turtles. That's sort of what what we do with our time right now when we can. Our son is is very into it, and and we have both of us, my, my Kate and I have acknowledged the friendliness of people that was not there two months ago. Uh, the acknowledgement of saying hello to people, checking in on people, uh, even strangers just being like, how are you doing? How's it going? You okay? We're okay. And, and it's something that I've noticed and I, I hope other people have noticed, which is like the, the community and the connection and the acknowledgement. And I hope that, the, yeah, that that's the positive that we get out of this. I think, um, you know, it's it 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 um it's it's often we often sort of our first response to uncertainty is fear. 
and I, which is a, a valid response when you, when you don't have control, right? When, when you don't have control and you, you're, you're unaware of, of, of the trajectory that you're on. Um, and I think it's really important, especially in this time of great uncertainty, um, that we acknowledge and celebrate and grow the things that we do have control over. We can choose who we care for and how we care for them. We can choose. Yeah. And we can choose to be subsumed by our fear and we can choose to surrender to, um, to the idea that we will never have enough to meet this moment. Or we can acknowledge our fear and learn from it. And by learning from it, grow from it. And realize that the growth includes the notion and the idea that maybe the more sustainable way for us to get through this very difficult and unnerving time is to do it in companionship and community with as many people as possible because, and we see it tragically playing out in the hospitals, those individuals who are on ventilators at the brink of death are having to die alone. Yeah. And while we have this great gift of living, despite the fact that we're physically distancing, we can choose to live together. And we can choose to support each other as a whole. Knowing that the most heartbreaking outcome of being afflicted by something like coronavirus is to die alone. Like, do you know, like we just like, and I'll tell you something and I'm sorry to not, um, you know, I talked to my mom the other day um, and my mom and my dad and my sisters were all refugees um, from Cambodia. And, you know, to my frustration, it was really hard for me to convey to her the, 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 the severity of the situation because, um, you know, she lived through three and a half years of labor camps. Like this current moment yeah. she finds herself in uh, doesn't touch the, the, the human caused tragedy that she did not choose to participate in in the 70s. Yeah, this is not, this is, this is in, in no way comparable, I'm assuming. Well, it, it's, it's not that it's in no way comparable, but um, I think the fundamental difference between what happened then and what happened, what's happening now is that, you know, it's not like a government agency decided to unleash an invisible virus that is taking down the, the entire globe. I think it depends what publications you're reading. Uh, <laughs> my my conspiracy theory com- uh, publications uh, would disagree with you. But I guess where I'm coming from is I'm saying that there are certain there are certain conditions that we have to um, accept as a given, and there are certain dynamics that we have to be angry about. And I hope that everyone in our community is angry that so much of the suffering that we see right now is preventable, was preventable. Yeah, no, I mean, is, is, was, yeah. That's something we all should be angry about. (laughs) Yeah, but but we can't we can't be angry with each other about the things that are beyond that are natural systems that we are 
and that that so many hundreds of thousands of people are scrambling to solve, right? Think about all of the helpers right now in labs running uh, trials on antibodies and and antiviral um, um, a medication. You know, the people who are working 19-hour days to try to develop a vaccine for this particular strain of a virus, of a family of viruses that we've known to ex- have existed for some time now. At least 19 years. That's right. This is COVID-19. Oh, that's the year. COVID-19, right? The 19 is the year. So I guess thousands, thousands and thousands of these, potentially. And, and so, like, it's incumbent upon us, those of us that have been, that are not, quote, unquote, essential workers that are sheltering in place, to make the lives of those that are on the front line a little bit easier by sacrificing just beyond our our comfort for for the short term for the yeah, long I wear a mask I hate it I can't stand it but I do but for the long term benefit of our our shared humanity because it has gifted us beyond measure in the lives that we have lived you know yeah all right we're getting to an hour which is long for us um i've really appreciated this i think we should wrap it up Do you, is there something that you want to uh is, i don't know i've never this is the first time i've done this by myself so is there like a final like a thing you want to say or uh are you happy what do you think well um i i just i extend my um well wishes to marissa i'm i'm sorry oh she- yes She's not here um, to be part of this. Um, and also, I, I deeply apologize to everyone for this, this, the solemnness of the tone of this particular episode. <laughs> um, no, no. People, people come to natural disasters. What they're expecting is the fucking hard truth. I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm a hard person, Adam. <laughs> not, not once did we discuss wine. <laughs> I know, I know. I tried to, you know, you started to get into stuff, and I was like, we could go, this, when you started talking about the tangerine, I was like, we could go, all right, this is a transition I can make towards wine. But you know what? Honestly, right now, in this time, like, I make wine, I love wine, I'm sure you guys are drinking wine, I love Wolfgang, who makes incredible wine, but like, right now, wine feels, yeah, I'm, I'm really appreciative of having wine, but it feels real small right now. Um... Well, I'll tell you what, what isn't appropriate for being small right now. Like, this is not a time for us to be small in our humanity. And this is not a time for us to be small in how we love each other. We have to be bold with our love. And we have to be bold with how we give ourselves to people who are least like us. And this is not a time to divide ourselves into purity tests around ideology. Because at the end of the day the disproportionate impact of this moment will fall on communities of color, immigrant communities, um, non-binary individuals. I mean, we, we really have to step outside of our, our comfortable trappings and understand that no matter how hard we have it, there's someone else out there that has it harder and that we have enough to extend a part of what we have so that we make sure we catch everyone along the way. Because otherwise, I, I just, I, I can't imagine another reality at the other side of this. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And I think this is a good, I think that's a good positive place to end it. And I'm an also end it with, I love you guys and I hope you guys are safe I hope you guys are okay, and I hope you guys stay healthy. I just turned the microphone to Wolfgang. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Hi, Wolfgang. Hi, Adam. I, I, I have nothing to add to this. I'm just a stupid white guy at the end of the table, so ignore Yeah, me. no, it, ditto, ditto. I just made rosé. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, Wolfgang, I, I blended a white and a red wine and made rosé. <laughs> oh. Okay, that's that's a great all right i love you guys i'll talk to you later be safe i hope to see you guys soon sorry say it again 
I said, I'm a master wine blender. That's something you don't know about me. Uh, it's just, you should become a negotiant. You should, I mean, that's just, you know. I'd rather be the, the mule that does the manual tilling. Master blender. <laughs> All right. Have a good night, gentlemen. Thank you for this. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I'll send it to you before uh, it gets published so you can listen to it. I don't care. Just publish it. Okay. Oh, I appreciate that. But what I what I will ask of you is, um, I think you should make a transcript of it available. I'll I'll see. I've never done that before, and I will try. I think you should trans uh, transcribe all your podcasts. I've never done it. That might be really um, uh, revealing. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why I don't want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Much love, my friend. All right. I'll talk to you guys later. See you, Adam. Bye, Adam. Bye. Bye.